Goosebumps number 24, Phantom of the Auditorium by R.L. Stein. He's out to stop the show. For good! Lights, curtain, Phantom. Brooke's best friend Zeke has been given the lead role in the school play The Phantom. Zeke's totally into it. He loves dressing up in the grotesque Phantom costume and scaring the other members of the cast. Brooke thinks Zeke's getting a little too into it. But then really scary things start happening. A message appears on a piece of scenery. The Phantom strikes. A stage light comes crashing down. Is someone trying to ruin the play? Or is there really a phantom living under the stage? Listener beware. You're in for a squid. Nice kids. They're gonna love Dark Falls. Hey guys. What up? Welcome to Welcome to Deadcast. I'm Matthew Scott Montgomery and this is my Braja. I'm I'm his brother. I'm his brother. Daniel Montgomery. We're called the Terror Twins and we love goosebumps. <laughs> we love it so much. The way you just said that. We're the Terror Twins and we love goosebumps. I'm serious though. I'm serious though too. Aww. Aww. We're so excited to have you guys here listening to us. Welcome back if hey. you're listening again. Hey, have you guys seen our new image for our podcast? Oh, yes. We shot with world-renowned, just shockingly talented, amazingly gorgeous photographer, Ricky Middlesworth. And he reached out to us. We're friends with him. But he reached out to us about doing a new image for our podcast. That would be like a T. Jacoba shout-out. So check that shit out because it is awesome. It looks like an authentic Goosebumps cover, and we are gagging over it. All my wildest dreams, all my wildest screams have now come true. It's so cool and looks so great. You can see it um, on your phone if you're listening to a podcast there. I don't know why it's not on iTunes yet, but it should be soon. It should be by now. And um, it's all over our Instagrams. Yes. So give it a heat. So today we are talking about Phantom of the Auditorium. This is a favorite. This is a favorite, and I've been looking forward to reading slash reviewing this one since we started this podcast. Me too. It feels like such a such a landmark. I think it's because we're actors. That's at least that's the excitement for me on my end is because this yes. is the acting one. This is the one about being on stage. Sure, this it's is the, the one, one I can most identify with. Yeah, and it's the it's what I want from a Goosebumps book. You know, as I was reading it, I was thinking, gosh. This is what I want. So far, after rereading these books for the last two years, like how long has it been now? It's been like two and a half years. Really? Yes, because I think we started it in July well, 2014. Well, this is the most fun I have had reading a Goosebumps book since yes. we've been rereading them. This- I always have fun reading The Haunted Mask, and I've had a lot of fun rediscovering ones that I thought were like, whatever, like 
like be careful what you wish for was a lot of fun the ghost next door i now have a new soft spot for and other ones that used to be kind of favorites now i think are total clunkers but um uh this one when i i I gave the review in the top corner gave it a c and i think that's a criminal crime i would give this one even though even though this book doesn't really make sense if you really think about it and now this since we just rewatched book does yeah exactly I would still give it a B plus. And I look at me, look at me. I am currently on stage um, working right on now. a show. Uh, We're in front right. of a live audience <laughs> on a stage. Um, no, but at, at nights you can catch me on. You can catch me on uh, um, at, at the, the hot, hot spot. spot. <laughs> yeah, you can catch me on stage. Um, but so I read this book while I was in tech, and I literally went into the basement of the theater to read this book. And I was up in the balcony reading this book and. So get it, your whole life. I know. It, there's there's not, nothing more fun than that. There's not a trap door at the Geffen There is Inside. not. It's at the Geffen Playhouse here in have LA. Have you ever seen in a real life trap door? No, and you know have I. What's funny is the whole the cast and crew all know about Deadcast. And in fact, some of them were listeners of Deadcast before they knew I was gonna be in the show. And, oh, would, and they've come up to me just... and they're like, My favorite ones return the mummy, or like my favorite ones this and this. And so they were like, Did you plan out to read Phantom of the Auditorium while we were in Tech Week? And you said yes. yes. And I was like, when we got the tour of the theater and backstage and everything, because how backstage works is um, there's an elevator that goes down to the basement and then our dressing rooms are up on the third floor because it's a really big theater. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I hope I get across in the basement. So during the show I do take the elevator. I usually take the stairs. But you can take an elevator down to the basement, and I was hoping there's a trapdoor, hoping there's a trapdoor, but there was not, and there is not. Oh no, a stage light comes crashing down. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about the cover of the book, and then and then really launch into it. Yes, it's we our colors are like a dark purple, and then like a like a light lilac or mauve. Mmm, lilacs. Mmm, fresh lilac. So, um. It is uh, the picture is a phantom in a dark purple baggy suit, okay? With a long cape. A dark baggy suit and he is like presumably backstage looking at you before he goes out on stage. Presumably. And he's a, he's pulling aside a big pink curtain mm. and there's a glowing green light that's shining on his knees. He has wild kind of gray hair. He has a very long sort of a thing. very dark um, complexion sure. that's South American or something and he has a white mask on and big white gloves that look like bandages and he's pulling up a, a piece of the cape that doesn't really make much sense I encourage everyone to google this cover and really look at what the Phantom's doing with his arm because it. I understand what T. Jacobus is going for it's like it, it it's like he should be like pulling the cape over like his face, kind of, but it looks like he's just holding a strip of like fabric. It really, if you, once you look at this cover, the first time you look at this cover, you're like, ooh, and then look at it again, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Matthew texted me while we were both uh, preparing for this episode, and he said, What is he holding? Yeah, like, what is this again? And one of our running jokes of our entire, entire lives. Entire lives. It never leaves the back in the front of is my brain. the description of this book. These things don't actually happen in the book, the things that are said on the back of the book. I feel like this description was either written before, before. way before, and it just never, these things don't happen. Yes, the things Sorry. that are described, if you listen to the beginning, a stage light comes crashing down, a, a piece of a scenery. Scenery says the phantom just, strikes. Matthew and I joke all the time about things that don't happen <laughs> And we'll say, oh my gosh, this was, I had the craziest night last night. We went Something out, terrible happened. We had so much fun, and then all of a sudden a stage light came crashing down. That's been one of our inside jokes for our entire lives. Look at us. 
Yes. Phantom of the Auditorium. So let's just jump on in, and then we'll talk about the um, the TV episode. Yeah, we'll talk about the TV episode of and have course. have a bunch of fun clips from that. Now this book came out when I, I listen to Deadcast all the time, like just to like not feel alone when I'm driving or stuff like yes. that. And I realize I listen to it to not feel alone. And a alone. lot of the fun is always at the end of our episodes because I mean the fun is to talk about the books, but those those hilarious clips from the TV episodes are always in the latter half of the episode or towards mm. the end. So I encourage you guys to stick around because we got some real good little clips today. Yeah, sit through the boring stuff to get to the fun part. <laughs> so this book came out in October 1994, and we all know Whoa. that our favorite month is October 1994. <laughs> that was getting really excited. Yeah, this book came out in October. Do you, were we were we reading these books at burpee, this point? Burpee? No, no, no. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. We we were not. You know what? I. Um, this episode's coming out in April. You know what? You know this. This episode's coming out in April 2016, and usually I absolutely nothing April. Like I'm like April's a total snooze. It's like in between, but I'm having the best April of my life, y'all. Well, of course you are. I was talking with our friend Cat just at our at your hey Cat hey kitty 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 at a, your uh, play opening, and I was saying keep people together. Ruben, I was saying, keep people together forever and ever. <laughs> my, this is actually my least favorite time of year. Yes, easily because. Nothing happened. I don't know. I just don't like we it. We sit and wait for summer. Well, what I was saying, and I and I and, and, and I, I, I was never sure why I don't like this time of year that much. And I just feel is it because pilot season's over and nothing to do? Kind of, but what it mostly is is we right now are the farthest away from Halloween. Yeah, that's true. We're directly across the year from it. Yeah. So we can't look back from Halloween. We're we're exactly six like across the across the calendar from Halloween. Yeah. We're the, far, we're the furthest farthest away. Yeah. And I feel the call. Yeah. I've been trying to watch some horror movies and, you know, read some horror books to really um, feel like myself again. Yeah. I'm supposed to be me, but I'm not. Um, so this book starts off with that thing that Daniel hates, kind of? Kind of. It's not that, it's not not exactly that. This is one of the few Goosebumps books, not, a few of them do start like this, but it's one of the few that start with foreshadowing. Uh-huh. That it's it's from our protagonist is Brooke Rogers, and at the very beginning of the book, she's saying, you know, little did I know that the play I was working on was going to be cursed, <laughs> and I didn't believe in phantoms before we, you know, I started working on this play, but it turns out phantoms are real, and there's a curse. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, well, great, thanks for telling me. The thing I can't stand is when. The, uh, a story or a book or a movie starts with a scene yeah. that happens. It's like, how me. did I get here with my hair cut off and all these people are dead? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Let me discover it. So again, Brooke is one of the most interesting protagonists I think we'll ever have. In tell the me series. why. Because tell me as, why. Tell me, sweet little why. <laughs> as we go on, it, she just has all these different like layers. Is she like eccentricities? Eccentricities. Eccentricities. What do you say? E-cigarettes. What, how do you say it? Eccent- Eccentricities? Yeah, eccentricities. She has yeah. a lot of those. She has like, and she's just weird and interesting. And, and, he, I, and yeah. she kept me on my toes. And I just really had fun spending time with her this past oh, month. Wow, I really like that. I had such a good time with her. Do you know her. who I liked spending time with? Who? Zeke. Zeke. Ooh, girl, I can't wait to talk about him. Yeah. So Brooke is in sixth grade at in Wo- sixth grade at Wood Mills Middle School. I had to read that one out loud because I was like Wood Mills Middle School. I go to Wood Mills Middle. School. I go to Wood Mills Middle School. 
And let me tell you what she looks like, you guys. She has chestnut brown hair. Yes. She's got those glasses. Okay. And she mentions that she always wears scrunchies on both wrists. Because you never know when you's going to need a scrunchie. A hair scrunchie. A scoonchie. <laughs> a hair scrunchie. Does she, she have specified. a denim scrunchie at one point? She does. And currently, at the beginning of the book, she's wearing a denim jacket. Wow. Can you? But, but I was... Warp, 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 warp. I was warp, reading warp. this book thinking, like, imagining the entire time her with scrunchies on both wrists. <laughs> You know, because that's what she has, yeah, right? It's really ridiculous. And she uses them. So her best friend forever is a guy named Zeke Matthews. And let me tell you what Zeke Matthews looks like. He has freckles. Okay. He has blonde hair that's really long in the front and covers one eye and is shaved in the back. Ooh, I mean, just like, what else do I need? I I'll tell you what I need. Him wearing a flannel shirt. So far, Brooke and Zeke are easily the two coolest protagonists we've had in I so love 1994 so much because that's I when my so-called life I started. I know you do. And this book it kind of screams my so-called life, doesn't it? It screams 1994. I just, Ooh. oh, this one, oh, I miss reading it. Oh, gosh. So, Zeke and Brooke are classic Goosebumps platonic guy-girl best friends. Best friends. They've been best friends for nine years. They know everything about each other. Brooke jokes like how Zeke wears Kermit pajamas. Lol. Zeke. And Brooke says the girls think uh, she. We're, Brooke is talking in first person here to the the reading audience. Me. Me. And she says Zeke is cute, and all the girls love Zeke, especially with a hair with with a hair like that. Yes. But Brooke doesn't even think a of him boy that way. Like that. Ever since their moms met in bowling league and live on the same street, they've been best friends. They've been like brother and sister. But she likes hanging out with him because he's cooler and funnier than the girls. And. Best of all, he likes horror movies. See, this is what I love them so much because they like horror movies. And it, I think we don't have another. Uh, is it Aaron and Marty in Shocker and Shock Street who love horror yes, movies as yes. well? But that's not that's not till I know 11, that's eleven books. That's from now. what I'm saying. So I don't really identify with anyone besides Brooke and Zeke. And then we get to oh gosh, what is it? Dwayne and who? Stephanie. From, Stephanie from he Headless, Headless Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. And they what are they the what is the, the two? Are they called the Terror Twins? Stephanie and Dwayne? I guess we'll have to figure that out once we get to Goosebumps. Somebody called that out on it. Somebody called that out on a review, which we got some really fun reviews, guys. We'll read them at the end. Stay for the end. I know this is so boring. So <laughs> it's one Friday after school. Brooke and Zeke are just like teasing each other. And Brooke, I want to I point out all the details in this book because it's important. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You're about they, to hear all they, the really cool details about Brooke and how weird she they're is. They're teasing each other. And at one point, Brooke flips her eyelids inside out. But she, it's this really gross talent that she usually makes people scream and gag. <laughs> I love, those are my two favorite things. Me too. And so Brooke, they're teasing each other. Brooke is flipping her eyelids out with her scrunchies. And she asks Zeke, she says, is your brother, is your, can your older brother rich? Can Rich take us to the Creature Festival at the Cineplex? I'm so excited the three Creature movies are playing at the Cineplex. And Zeke says, oh, God, forget about the Creature Fest. Are you forgetting about something, something big? The cast. Okay, before we get into that really quick, we don't really um, explore this too much in this book. We will in later books, especially on Shocker and Shock Street. But I love in Goosebumps books, fake horror movies. Yes. And what always confused me when I was a kid reading these was I was like, huh. <laughs> I'm not old enough to go see horror movies. Yes. And I'm like, how do these kids be going to these, like, scary movie fests, presumably when these movies are rated R, but I guess they're, like, you know, 
I think Earl Stein still thinks it's the fifties or something when it's yes, like where B-horror people can go to their like stuff like that. You know, their their picture shows on Saturday morning. Yeah, I know that, Mister Man. Yes, and I think they they I think it's interesting that there's the, the creature movies that are referenced. But I think also, isn't Friday the Thirteenth mentioned? In this Friday the Thirteenth is referenced in this I book. Love, I just love it all. Be- so yeah. So Zeke is like, uh, don't you remember? We have to go see the cast the list. Cast. The cast list has been posted for the play we auditioned for, and. We learned that Brooke and Zeke both last year tried out for Guys and Dolls and had a little, cute little fun parts in it. Lol. Brooke gets so nervous she forgets she has stage fright. And Miss, Miss Walker, who is the theater teacher, who's the director, mentioned that this year's play is going to be scary. But what I think is interesting is that they audition for the play, but, but they they've don't, never read it and don't know what it's about. Yeah, they don't know what play they're auditioning for, and they haven't read it, and they don't even know what the characters are. It's a little strange. <laughs> yeah. So they run to go see the cast list, which is posted next to the auditorium, and Brooke sees a note posted next to the cast list that says, Attention. Brooke Rogers report, report to, to Mr. Levy's office you've, you've been, been suspended from school, from school. Uh, no uh, no and then she laughs uh, because she realizes uh, it's a joke it's just a it's just a note that Zeke put up there to Zeke Zeke. They're always teasing each other. So anyway, la la lu, blah, blah, blah. We see the cast list, and it turns out Brooke and Zeke are the leads. Zeke is playing the, the Phantom, Phantom, and, and Brooke, Brooke is, is playing, playing Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Brooke doesn't even know who that is and is like, oh, I hope that's a cool part. And then Tina Powell, that bitch, comes out of nowhere, a seventh grader, tells Brooke that, oh, um, well, Esmeralda. I, I know who Esmeralda is. I know what part that is. She's just the daughter of some guy who owns a theater. What Tina basically is just jealous because Esmeralda's the lead and Tina wanted it so badly. I actually think Tina is a totally super fun character in the I book. actually do, too. Yeah. To, I actually do do do. <laughs> so, so I uh, do do do. So we learn. Brooke says, "I don't think Tina likes me. She's always frowning at me." And Tina doesn't like Brooke. We learn. We learn that very quickly. Tina is Brooke's understudy, mm. and she's also in charge of the scenery. Bitch. So Brooke. Book book is book tries to think of something mean, mean and nasty, nasty to, to say, say back to, to Miss High and Mighty, but she can't. And Zeke goes, "Hey, Brooke, let's get out of here. Let's go haunt the neighborhood." That's Ooh. my kind of man, Otay. So that Monday afternoon, they start rehearsing, and Miss Walker, as I mentioned, is the director. She has curly red hair. Drink, ding, 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 ding. Take a drink. Take we a got drink. our red-haired character. Ooh. She's got those pretty green eyes. She's skinny as a pencil. Mm. <laughs> and she's a very good teacher. A little too strict. But she's a good teacher. Mm-hmm. So no one seems to know what the play is about, of course, except for Tina, as of we mentioned. Of course, Tina Miss High and Mighty knows what it's about. So Tina mentions that her great-grandfather went to Wood Mills Middle School, and he's told her all about this play, The Phantom, that's what it's called, and about the curse. Oh, yes. Tina mentions there's a curse about this play. There's a really scary, scary story. story about a play about a phantom, phantom in the school. A, a real, real phantom. phantom. And Tina's telling all the rest of the cast this, and Miss Walker interrupts her and says, I don't think it's a good time to listen to scary stories that may not be true. Do you know the story, Tina asks? And, and Miss Walker goes, yes, I do. It's a very scary story. It's very upsetting. And I really don't think we should talk. And the cast is like, oh my God, you can't say that. Just tell us. Tell us. us. Tell, tell us. Tell us. Punished. Punish. So Miss Walker reluctantly agrees to sort of be like, all right, fine, I'll tell you the story. 
And this is the story of the curse of the phantom. She says it started 72 years ago when the play, when the school was first built. What a specific time. Now it is 1994 and 72 years ago is 1922. Yes. That is correct. Yes. Yes. I can't believe I had to sit and think about that for Math. a second. Math wins. So Tina's great grandfather was in the first class at the first graduating class, the first class at the school at Woodmills Middle School. It only had twenty five students in the whole school, and they wanted to do a play. And I guess a boy found a script. Yeah, in the basement of the Old Mills Library. Yes, found a script at the basement of the old Old Mil- Wood Mills Library, and. Um, I met a man named Frank Mills. Yes. And so this is this is this is the haunted story behind it all. It was a very scary play about a girl who was kidnapped by a mysterious phantom. The boy showed it to his teacher. This is this is Tina telling this or Miss Walker telling the story. The boy showed it to his teacher and the teacher decided it'd be fun to perform the play. It'd be a grand production with the best scary special effects they could create. <laughs> Rehearsals for the phantom began and the boy who discovered the play at the library won the lead role of the phantom. They practiced the play after school every day. Everyone was having a really good time. Everyone was working really hard to make it a good play. It was all going smoothly until, until. Tell us. Tell, tell us. us. Mrs. Walker goes, I want you to all remember that this is just a story. There's no proof that it ever happened. <clears throat> On the night of the play, the kids were all in costume. Parents and friends filled the auditorium. This auditorium. The kids were really excited and nervous. And their teacher told them, called them together to give them a pep talk. The play was about to start, but to everyone's surprise, the boy playing the Phantom was nowhere to be found. They called to him. They looked from backstage but they couldn't find the phantom the star of the show they spread out they searched everywhere but they couldn't find him the boy had vanished they searched for one hour everyone was so upset so frightened especially the boy's parents finally the teacher stepped out on stage to announce that the play could not go on but before she could speak a horrible scream rang out over the auditorium It was a frightening scream. People said it sounded like an animal howl. The teacher ran toward the sound. She called to the boy, but now there was only silence, a heavy silence. No more screams. Once again, the entire school was searched, but the boy was never found. He was never seen again. I guess you could say that the phantom became a real phantom. He just disappeared, and the play was never performed. Was never performed. It was never performed. And as Miss Walker's telling this, all of a sudden, Corey Sklar lets out a gasp and says, Oh, oh no, no he's, there he is. There's the phantom. And he points towards the side door and everyone gasps and screams as they see a hideous face grinning at them through the side door in the theater. No. Ah! No. And this is what the face looks like. It's the phantom's face. It was twisted in an ugly grin. Bright red hair stood, Drink. St- stood straight up on his head. One eyeball bulged out from its socket. Black stitches covered a deep scar that ran all the way down the side of his face and, and the it's face the is boo. I know it's him. and it turns out it's not the phantom it's just zeke wearing a mask wearing that dumb old mask zeke. oh and everyone sort of breathes a sigh of relief and, and everyone's totally scared miss walker confirms to Corey. she says all right calm down everyone this it's all fine but this is the first time this play will ever actually be performed and she says, after the boy disappeared, the school decided to destroy all the scripts except for one. One they kept locked in the school vault Burn until this, this year. So Miss Walker says, don't worry, it's, it isn't true. It's just, a, I just told you that story to kind of put you in a horror mood. And then Brooke says, but what about the <clears throat> curse? Put you in a pregger's mood. Ooh. <laughs> what about the curse, Brooke asks. And Tina says, yep. 
This play is cursed, and the Phantom won't let anyone perform it. He's still in the school haunting it. He's been haunting it for 70 years. 72 years and, and one hour. And so Brooke and Zeke help Miss Walker pass out the scripts, and everybody's like, this will be cool, except for Corey, Corey Sklar. And Corey's like, um, but what if the <coughs> curse is true? I'm worried. Miss Walker says, you know, enough talk about the Phantom and the curse, okay? We have a lot of work to do, and we have to... <laughs> and then Brooke turns back to the stage. She's been looking down at her scripts and sees that <laughs> you're laughing. Yeah. Sees that Miss Walker has vanished. Oh no, she varnished. She vanished into thin air. I listened to a podcast today about where that phrase came from, and it's not that interesting. Except the first time that it was used was in The Tempest. Shakespeare wrote it, and he said that um, that uh, oh, oh I forget who it was. One of the characters vanished tranquilo into not into thin air, but he says into like. Um, Oh no, melt he says they melted away into thin air. And thin air is in mm. reference of like outside the stratosphere and troposphere troposphere where like air is really thin. I'm 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 a boring person. Yes. So they all run towards the stage and they hear So me- the first thing I think about when I think about this book is what we're about to be introduced to, me which too. is the trap door. That trap door which I, is the trap I wanna queen. see a trapped queen. I wanna feel a trap door. I wanna f- understand how it works because we the way it's described, I don't quite get it. Below the the stage in the basement of the Geffen Playhouse I'm working now, there's a room called the Trap Room. And let me just tell this story real quick. Okay, I'm not, a, I'm not holding you back. So I do this one cross but underneath the stage, and it's a long, dark, black hallway. And you can hear this people stomping around on the stage above because I'm literally going underneath the stage. And I have to cross at the same time that one of my castmates, Tim, crosses. And we have to do a pretty quick cross because we both have to appear on the opposite sides of the stage. And the first night that I walked through there, I was walking through this dark hallway and I heard, and Tim had crouched down low behind a stack of like old lights and he popped out to scare me. A stage light came crashing down. crashing down. And I I screamed and then I couldn't stop laughing because it was the happiest I've ever been because this Tim, who's like an actor named Tim Bagley, who's in his 50s. He knew me well enough to scare me and pretend to be a badger, as he calls it, in the, in the basement. And so now every time we do that cross, we both try to get down there first so we can hide somewhere in the basement to scare each other. And last night when we were going on stage, I thought I got down there first and I hid behind an old theater seat, but I didn't know he was already hiding in a spot. So we both hid for a while until we realized we couldn't, we couldn't hide anymore because both of us had to be on stage. So I, so I finally got up to move and he had been hiding the whole time and reached out and snipped at my ankles and screamed and it made me scream right next to the trap room. What's in the trap room? Uh, um, a big humming generator. And are there bees in the trap? One, one time I, I I went into the trap room to hide in there, but the generator is so buzzing loud in there, uh, buzzing like bees, that I couldn't hear anything. Bees and in Daniel the trap. and listeners. Be bees in the trap. Daniel, seriously, in the trap room, it's a really small room. There on a hanger are two big black coats. And they're like two men's long black trench coats that are on hangers next to this generator. And that's all that's in the trap room. Wow. Yeah, the Phantom Strikes. There's a meeting in the trap room. The Badger Strikes. So everybody rushes onto the stage and they hear Mrs. Walker yell, I'm down here. And they see that there's a big square hole in the stage. And that Miss Walker is standing on a a small square platform about five or six feet below the stage. They realize it's a trap trap door. It's the trap queen. And Miss Walker (laughs) says, Zeke. 
push down on that small wooden peg. This to the right of the trapdoor. The idea of this this wooden peg and the button that lowers and brings up the trapdoor equally satisfies me in a way that's so deep and real that nothing else will satisfy and, and frustrates me. me. It mostly just frustrates me because the the device to get the trapdoor working is a small wooden peg that you step on. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? I Googled it and I couldn't find. You Googled wooden peg? I Googled trap door wooden peg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing fun comes up. Let us know if you guys find anything. Do you think okay? Arl Stein just made that up? Or yeah, do you of think course. Okay. Of course. This is coming from a writer. I love you, Arl Stein. This is coming from a writer who these kids auditioned for a play where they didn't know what it was about or what the characters That's were. That's true. So Zeke stomps on the... Zeke! Zeke. Zeke stomps on the peg and there's a clank and a grind and a groan. Zeke stomps on the peg and there's a clank and a grind and a groan. And it slowly starts to rise. It slowly starts to eye rise. It slowly starts to raise. Oh gosh, is it rise? It rises because raises. Um, there's uh-huh. an object for raise. I'm talking to- grammar by myself. Troposphere. Troposphere. And heliotrope. And Miss Walker's corners. Miss Walker steps off of the platform. I wanted to point out that she's wearing blue slacks and a yellow sweater. Oh, okay, she's gross. With red hair, she's keeping it primary. That's disgusting. And she says, "Oh my gosh, I forgot about the trapdoor. It was built for the first production of the Phantom, so the Phantom could disappear or rise up from below. An impressive special effect back then." Yeah, like she forgot. And she says she forgot that she had lowered it earlier, and that forgot it was still down, and she just fell down into it. I don't buy that these kids had been on stage reading a script, not seeing the big no. black hole. The kids were sitting in the audience, and Miss Walker was standing on the stage. I buy it. See. Zeke is immediately obsessed with it. He's like, I want to try it right now. Miss Walker says, no, you can't. All right? I forbid you from using it until it's tested for safety. Is that clear? And so they go back to their seats, and they decide to read the play. And I want to give you a description of what this play is about. It is, yes, God. It really makes me cackle. So it was about a man named Carlo who owns a very old theater where plays and concerts are performed, and Carlo thinks his theater is haunted. And it turns out that there really is a phantom living in the basement. His face is scarred. He looks like a monster, so he wears a mask. But Carlo's daughter, Esmeralda, falls in love with the phantom. She plans to run away with him, but her handsome boyfriend, Eric, finds out. Eric is in love with Esmeralda. He tracks down the Phantom in a secret home in a dark passage far beneath the theater, and they fight, and Eric kills the Phantom. This breaks Esmeralda's heart. She runs away never to be seen again, and the Phantom survives as a ghost. He will haunt the theater forever. That's the plot of the play. I'm really now just noticing that it's Esmeralda, and then the, the, the TV episode, they say Esmeralda. Um, that fucking annoys me, and Esmeralda, I can't stand that, and let's call her Esmeralda, because Esmeralda is bullshit. <laughs> Great. So, um... Cool. Brooke notices, they start reading through the play. Brooke notices that Tina's mouthing out Esmeralda's lines for Brooke as she leads. And Tina wants that part. As she reads, and e- Tina wants that part. And and Brooke kind of feels a little bad for her, Tina I guess. Powell is goddess. As, after, anyway, rehearsal's over, and as it's, as it's you know, getting out, Zeke pulls Brooke behind a wide concrete beam, and they watch as Miss Walker packs and kisses up. her. And, oh. <laughs> no, he doesn't. And lowers the lights, and they stay in the theater, and he says, we should stay and try out the trapdoor. Come on, don't be a wimp. What could happen? So, they decide to try it out. So they make their way to the stage quietly. The lights are down low. Um, and she feels... And this is when Brooke starts sneezing and sneezing. So one thing we learn about Brooke is that she has allergies. She's bad allergy attacks. And she, she as she puts it, she has the worst allergies She's in an- creation. <laughs> 
and that she's allergic to everything. Sometimes she'll sneeze 13 or 14 times in a row. Her record is 17. Lol. So when when I was reading this, I was like, oh my God, all this useless trivia about Brooke Rogers. And I was like, the sneezing thing must come in handy lately. It's got to. But they, but Arlston keeps, we're going to keep getting these things about Brooke that don't really make any sense and don't really matter. They're just like weird quirks about Brooke that I love. You're Yeah, we're getting to know her. She has the worst allergies in all creation. So she starts to sneeze as they make their way towards the trap door, and she um, sneezes as quietly as possible into tissue only seven times this time. And Brooke finds the peg. They stomp on the peg, and they stand on the platform, and it shakily lowers itself down. And they're going down, and it's dark, and it's fun. And then they get about five or six feet below the stage where Miss Walker was, and then it keeps going down. And as it goes down, it keeps getting faster and going faster and faster. Oh, no. No, no. It goes faster until they're about a mile beneath the stage. And then it hits the ground with a large large thud. And they both, both Brooke and Zeke fall down. Oh, and, they all fall down. And they get up and they look and there seems to be a black tunnel going both directions, right? Yeah. Which doesn't... I, I took a long time to try to... Dis- to, to, to to visualize this. Yes, they in both directions they see a tunnel going, you know, both ways. Like how does that how does the platform lower down? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. So, they realize that they're way below the basement. Brooke is super creeped out but doesn't want to admit it, and then she hears this raspy sound. <sighs> And she realized it's just Zeke breathing. He's scared too. He won't admit it, but I know he's scared. They agree that it's it's probably too dark to explore. And Brooke asks, like, why would it come all the way down here? And Zeke's like, I don't know. Maybe so the Phantom can get home quicker after he haunts the auditorium. And Brooke's like, that's not funny. No jokes about the Phantom, okay? Let's get out of here. But then they realize they don't know how to get back up. How do we get back up? And so they start a real shoving match. Yes. They Well, they search for a lever and a switch or a lever, but they nothing. And they start shoving each other. This is your fault. No, this is my fault. This is your fault. This is your And so... Zeke's like, I don't care. I like it down here. I might just stay down here for a while. And and Brooke's like, we're going to be stuck down here forever unless we're eaten, eaten by rats. Poor bitch. So they start shoving each other back and forth, back and forth, until Brooke hits the wall and hits some sort of switch. And then the platform starts to rise. Sure. And uh, they jump on it and, and make their way up towards the top. And as they're... As it's rising, it stops right where it stopped with Miss Walker, about yeah. five or six feet below the stage. And they're like, great. So they uh, they have to boost each other up. And so so she gives Zeke a boost. And Zeke disappears over, you know, for onto minutes. the stage. And to, for a whole minute. And Brooke is down there calling for Zeke. Zeke. And then she, re- she realizes, oh, he's just trying to scare me. And she's had enough. And she's, okay, Zeke Matthews, enough. I've had enough for one day. Bitch. And then she sees his hands reach over the side and pull her up. And she says, you know, you're not funny. Keep me down there. It was really. And then she looks and realizes, it's, it's not Zeke. Zeke. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm not Randy. Maybe that's because I'm not Randy. And it's a man with an angry scowl, baggy gray pants, a loose-fitting gray sweatshirt torn at the collar, thick white hair, wild and unbrushed, over his forehead like a mop. Deep purple scar down the side of his face, old but tiny and short like a kid. And he says, I'm Emil, the, the night, night janitor. janitor. What are you two doing, Kjarks? And they said, oh, we had rehearsal. I came back from my jacket. Brooke says, and Zeke says, yeah, yeah, sure. And Emil the Nightjander says, how do you know about the trap door? And they said, um, Miss Walker showed us. And he said, don't you know how dangerous it is? And he leans close with his hot 
breath and says, Don't you know how dangerous it is? <laughs> I love that you're giving him a He doesn't accent. have an accent, yeah. So cut to that night. Brooke and Zeke are talking on the phone. Talk, talking on the phone. Talk, talking on the phone. Talking about how scared or not scared they were. Call me on the phone. And Brooke says, oh, you weren't scared. How come you are shaking all the way down? And Zeke says, I wasn't shaking. I, I was, was exercising. exercising. You know, working out the calf you muscles. You know, getting in the mood. And Brooke says, why haven't they seen Emil before? You know, like, that's weird. And Zeke says, well, that's because he's the phantom. phantom. Hope Hope you don't have nightmares. Click. So on the way to school the next morning, Brooke walks her younger brother, Jeremy, to school. So, as we know, every Goosebumps protagonist has an annoying little brother, little sister. But this time, Brooke has Jeremy, and he's not annoying. He's just easily scared. And Brooke loves to tell him scary stories, so she he just begs her to stop. And Brooke says one time she made him watch Poltergeist, and he woke up screaming for three weeks. <laughs> Isn't that scary? I love stuff like that. Like, I think it was... Well, was it You Can't Scare Me or there's one book where it's like, that mask was so scary that I oh, screamed yeah. for an hour? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it makes me laugh. Wasn't there one time, one, one morning, Ooh. we promised each other that we would, in our beds, wake up screaming at the top of our lungs no matter what? <laughs> I don't remember that. I feel like we promised each other we'd do that at some point. We'll anyway, so uh, she's telling Jeremy about the phantom. <laughs> And she says, it's really scary, Jeremy. And he says, she says, it's pretty scary, but it's not like Friday the 13th scary. There's our Friday the 13th reference. You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? I knew it. I knew it. So Brooke, she drops Jeremy off at school, makes her way to class, and is like thinking about memorizing her lines and hoping she doesn't get that stage fright. And when she sees a boy sitting in her chair at her table. Now, she's going to school. Miss Walker's their teacher. And it's kind of like, at least in sixth grade, it's like there's one classroom the whole day. You know? Like there's one teacher that teaches everything almost. I get you. Anyway. So she sees a boy sitting at um, her chair at her table. They don't have desks. They have tables. He's kind of cute. Dark brown hair and bright green eyes. Wearing a big big red and black flannel shirt over black sweatpants. Black high tops kicked up, leaning back. So he's, uh, if possible, he's cooler than Zeke. Yeah, if possible, sexier than Zeke. Zexier than Keek. And Brooke says, "You're, you're in my place. And he said, no, I'm not. This is my place. No, no. And Brooke tells him that, um, that's my seat next to Zeke. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. And he blushes. He blushes a lot in this book. Brian Coulson from Indiana. He says, I'm Brian. I'm from Indiana. Sorry, I hate being the new kid. Are you Brooke Rogers? I hear you've got the starring role. Some Some kids kids were talking talking about about it on the bus. bus. You You must be a pretty good actress. She says, well, actually... Sometimes I get pretty bad stage fright. And then she's kind of thinking to herself, I don't know why I told him that. I don't know why sometimes, sometimes I just rattle, I just rattle on. on. I, guess, that, I guess that's why that my, my parents call me babbling Brooks. See, this is why I love Brooks so much. And Brian says, oh, gosh, I wish I got to school sooner because I, so I could have auditioned. And Brooks like, God, he seems too shy to be an actor. And he keeps blushing. Oh, why don't you come to rehearsal with me, Brooks says. Maybe you can get a part, in, a small part in the play or something she says, yeah, like maybe that. I can get you a part if you come to rehearsal with me. He says, yeah, and he's so excited. <laughs> And then Zeke slips in right before Miss Walker gets into school, and and Brooke realizes, oh my gosh, I left my science notebook in my locker. So she runs out of the class and around the corner, sees that actually her locker is half open, and she goes to open it. Sees How that, strange! And she sees that someone is staring right back at no, her. No, no, please. Oh no, wait. Actually, it's just Zeke's mask from earlier. Or, Zeke. And she says with its blue and green face. So this is a mask that I spent a lot of time thinking about. Is not the mask that Zeke had earlier. This is a different, the Phantom mask yes. that is blue. And 
and green. And that's yes. the only description we get is that it's a blue and green mask. Yes. What I, does that look well, like? Bro- well, Brooke says, oh gosh, it was just Zeke's mask, which is why at first I thought it was the mask from earlier, but I guess he has multiple masks. Yeah. And yes, it's a horrifying phantom mask that's blue and green. That's all we get. So I'm guessing, like when, it, uh, okay, so obvious, we haven't said this yet. This is a, a sh- like, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it's supposed to feel like Phantom of the Opera, right? So I always thought of a Phantom of the Opera type as a mask. a half mask, a half white mask. Yes, but here, the phantom mask in this book is blue, blue and, and green. green. I don't, like, is it like a monster face? I don't know. Like, what does it look like? Anyway, that mask is there, and folded up underneath is a sheet of paper and with a note written in a red crayon saying, stay away from my home sweet home. In red crown. In red crown. And she In red crayon. She screams at first, and then she realizes, oh, wait, it's just, it's just Zeke. He's so dumb. So she gets a class this real funny joke, Zeke. Funny joke, Deke. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. She's, oh, well, then I guess the real Phantom did it, huh? What a phony baloney, she thought. Zeke did it, and he knows it. For, for sure. sure. So that rehearsal, Brooke walks up to Miss Walker um, and brings Brian so, hi, with her. this is Brian Coulson from Injana. Um, are there any parts left that maybe we could give to him? And Miss Walker's like, no, the play's already been cast. What the hell are you talking about? Dumb. And Brian says, hey, maybe I can be a stand-in. I memorize real fast, and I can memorize more than one part. And Miss Walker says, no, we don't need any more stand-ins. Because this is theater. Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Did she mean understudy? I think, I think. But but understudy's referenced earlier, that phrase. So what is a stand-in? I don't know. Like, is that the second team or something? Like, I don't understand what that is. But why would you have that for theater, or why would you have that for kids' theater? It doesn't make any sense. Stupid bitch. Miss Walker says, how about being on the scenery crew? And Zeke's like, shoot. I mean, uh, Brian's like, sure. It's just cool. Go see Tina. Go see Miss High and Mighty. So Brooke starts starts to sit down and starts memorizing her lines. What proof do you have that this man might be dangerous, is one of her lines. And when all of a sudden all the lights go out in the theater. And then there's some straight up shrill scream that's like an animal howl. And it's coming, coming from, from the, the catwalk. catwalk. Yeah. And Corey freaks out as he's wont to do. And everyone flips out that there's somebody up there in the catwalk. And, catwalk. and then the lights kind of flicker back on. And then there's an- another long howl. Woo. From above the stage, and Ow. then a green and blue masked creature wearing a shiny black cape, gripping a long, heavy rope, comes swinging down from the catwalk, laughing like a, a horrifying, horrifying evil laugh. laugh. It's the a phantom. phantom. So the phantom kind of glares at everybody, then stomps his foot down on the stage and starts to lower himself below the stage. He stomps on the wooden peg. Yeah. And Brooke notices, gosh, he's a phantom. He doesn't seem to be that tall. He's kind of um like Zeke, Zeke's height. Um, kind of actually, like, he's, he's exactly, exactly Zeke's, like Zeke's height. height. And she calls her and says, Zeke, and everybody runs towards the trap door, but it's too far down. It's too dark. Nobody can see anything. And Miss Walker is pissed. She goes, was that really Zeke? Was that Zeke? Come on. And Tina's like, I, I, I think it was Zeke trying to gain points with Miss Walker. And Corey asks, was that him? Was he trying to scare us with that mask again? So then I was like, is it the same mask from earlier? No, it can't be. Yeah, it can't be, right? No. There are some inconsistencies. Yep. And Brooke's like, I don't know if it's Zeke. Is it Miss Walker's furious? Calls for Zeke. Zeke. And there's no response. Then, then they, they hear the humming of the platform rising. Ooh. And, then, and, Miss, and Miss Walker straight up's like, I'm going to kick him out of this play. I'm going to yell at him till his ears curl. <laughs> and they hear the platform stop. And they see it stop at that point. You know, like five or six feet below the I stage. know that point. And Book, Brooke peers over and gasps and sees that it's empty. So Zeke is down in the bismond. 
couldn't be him. He wouldn't disappear down there without a flashlight, would he? <sighs> Actually, yeah, he, yeah, he would. would. So Miss Walkers, we're canceling rehearsal. And Brooke walks home thinking hard. She's so distracted about how much she's thinking about things. She walks past her house. She walks past her house and ends up accidentally at Zeke's house. Whoopsie, oopsie, spoo. Oopsie, spoo. And she sees his mom pulling into the driveway with Zeke in the passenger seat. What? Huh? So she goes, Zeke. That was you. That was you that did that. And he goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was, I was at, at a dentist, dentist appointment. appointment. I even told Miss Walker I wouldn't be there today. I was getting my tooth cleaned. And then... <laughs> Brooke says, then who was the phantom, huh? And then a smile spreads over Zeke's face. And Brooke says, I know you did it. You did it, and then you went to the dentist's appointment. And Zeke laughs and doesn't answer. (laughs) (laughs) So at school the next day, day, Brooke is walking with Brian to rehearsal. This is what Brian's wearing. He's wearing a black vest over a plain white t-shirt and faded jeans. So... Cool. Right now, I'm reading um, Goosebumps Most Wanted, Night of the Puppet People. Oh, glamour. The one that's supposed to take place in 2016. And there's a girl in the book who everyone idolizes her very fashionable vest that she wears. Oh, I, I, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen anyone wear a vest. I think R.L. Stein thinks girls wearing vests is sexy and interesting because there are so many books, Fear Street books included, where there are female protagonists or characters wearing sexy vests. I remember a book where, wasn't it where a girl was wearing like a purple, it was a Fear Street book wearing like a purple velvet sweater over brown tights or something? (laughs) I remember in um, The Nightmare Room, number one, Don't Forget Me, the lead character would wear um, uh, layers and layers of glass beads over her brightly colored shirt and her brown suede vest. I told you what one of my darkest fantasies, right, is is to... remake the Freer Street and Goosebumps books wearing wor- and w- remake them like word for word yes. and having them wear ex- like exact descriptions having them wear exactly say the same things and have the same hair exactly what Arlstein described if I had a lot of money I wouldn't give it to charity I wouldn't save it that's what I would do with my money same so I would just build a trap door in my apartment Oh, same. So at school the next day, Brooke is walking with Brian to rehearsal, as we said. They're talking about the play, about how bossy Tina is, and how Zeke talked with Miss Walker, and how she's going to let him stay in the play. And Brian's like, do you think it was Zeke who did it? And Brooke's like, yeah, I do. Doy. So at rehearsal, they're going over the blocking with Mrs. Walker and the understudies. And I love that Arlstein explains what blocking is. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. And um, the understudies are Tina and Robert Hernandez, by the way, Mm -hmm. just in case you wanted to know. We don't get a whole lot about Robert Hernandez. In fact, he gets kind of slighted in this book, and I feel bad for Robert Hernandez. Yes, and um, we're going over, and Miss Walker's like, yeah, we're going to rehearse with the understudies just in case. And Brooke's like, just in case. And Tina's like, yeah, in case you get sick or something on the night of the play, I get to play your part. (laughs) And um, Brooke says to herself, well, Tina, I hate to disappoint you, but I plan to be perfectly fine. So have fun painting your scenery. It's the only time you'll be on stage. (laughs) So as they're rehearsing the scene, Tina's talking with Brooke about Zeke. And Brooke misses her cue to go on stage, and Miss Walker yells at her. And Brooke goes, "Ooh, girl, that bitch did that on purpose." Tina did. Tinta did that on purpose. Oh, Tinta is trying to throw her off. Yes, God. And Brooke is flustered, comes on stage, and says her line, which her line, of course, is, "Is somebody down here?" <laughs> and she waits for Zeke to say his line on pier on stage, but Zeke doesn't show but up. But nothing. 
Where is he? So Miss, where is he? So Miss Walker indicates that she's waiting by tap, tap, tapping her foot. Tap, tap, tap. And so O oh, is, oh, okay. I guess, I guess we're waiting for someone to come down from the catwalk in full costume, huh? Or something like that. And then they hear the buzz of the trap door. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Tell me what's a happening. And Brooke goes, oh, gee, Zeke, what a ham. He's going to appear on stage from the trap door. It's so totally Zeke. And the trap door rises. And we see um, from the trap door in the, in the blue and green mask in full costume, black cape, shirt and pants. Is the Phantom. And he comes quickly towards Brooke, grabs her bow shoulder, and shakes her hard. And it says, go away. In a furious whisper. And as he's shaking her, Brooke looks to the side of the stage and sees that somebody's waving to her. Hi! And it's Zeke. Oh no, Zeke can't be the Phantom. It's the actual Bantam. And it's the it's a Bantam Bagels. And Brooke says, no, help. Help somebody help me. And Miss Walker goes, no, no, no. The line is help, help me, father. <laughs> and the Phantom goes, stay away. Stay away from my home, sweet home. And then a stage light comes crashing down. It comes crashing. And just kidding, a stage light does not. It doesn't. Crashing. Brooke looks into his eyes and she has realized his eyes look familiar to her. But before she can really think about it, he leaps off the stage and runs through the aisle and out the theater. Everybody's like, "What just happened?" Twitter poll: Who do you think the Phantom is? So later, Brian, Brooke, and Zeke are staying after rehearsal to talk about it, and Brooke says, uh, accuses Zeke of planning it, planning that whole sort of uh, um, encounter with. Planning it with Andy Seltzer. Just, I, know I know you and Andy. Andy Seltzer. And Zeke says, no way. Raggedy Andy. And Tina appears out of nowhere. Guess she's been working on the scenery. And says, are you feeling better, Brooke? See, the whole time I'm reading this book and watching TV episode, I know who the Phantom is. So, like, nothing about it seems a surprise. But, yes. like, it's hard. I wanted to go back and think, all right, pretend you don't know who the Phantom is. Tina. Right. And she goes, are you feeling better, Brooke? And and Brooke's like, what are you talking about? I feel fine. What um, do you mean? She you look so stressed out on stage. I thought maybe you were sack. Are you coming down with the flu? I heard there's a really bad one going around. around. You're doing a good job on the backdrop. She says, she says to Brian. At least someone's doing a good job on the play. I uh, Tinta is officially my favorite character in this. Yes. Normally I don't like this kind of bitch. But for some reason she's really, she really gets my girl. I know. I stand for Tinta. And she runs off the stage and Brooke is like, could Tinta be doing all these <laughs> things? And uh, Tinta turned her. And Brian, Zeke, and Brooke start to leave. But as they're walking out, Zeke goes, oh, wait, I forgot something. And Brooke's like, fine, hurry up. I just want to go home. My mom always worries when I'm not home. She thinks I've been hit by a bus or something. I don't really know why. I never knew anyone that was ever run over by a bus. This is why I love Brooke. Oh, girl babbling, Brooke. So Zeke says, oh, I have to stop by the office to see if anybody turned in my math book. I left it in the auditorium the other night. My math book. So, so Brian goes, I'll head home. And Brooke and Zeke go to the office and talk with Brian, Dot. Where, Brian, where do you live? Oh, over there. Over in that direction, he points. They talk with Dot, the secretary. She says, no, there's no books here. And Zeke says, oh, well, maybe. And the Warner sister, Dot. And <laughs> she says, maybe, maybe that guy Emil turned it in. And Dot goes, who, who is Emil? And Zeke's like, you know, the little little old guy with the white hair, the night the janitor. Night and she's just, um, um, you're a little mixed up, Zeke. There's no one named Emil who works at the school. We don't have no night janitor. Bum, bum. So that night, Tinta calls Brooke and says, just wanted to see how you're feeling. You look so pale, Brooke. I heard you sneezing a lot yesterday. And Brooke goes, I always sneeze a lot. Bye, Tinta. And Brooke's kind of thinking to herself, 
who was the other fan that jumped on stage if it wasn't Zeke? That was kind of scary. Oh, well, guess I won't think about it anymore. And, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, I mistook Brooke's thoughts for this is still Tina talking. Tina says, well, then who was that phantom who jumped on stage this morning, this afternoon? That was kind of scary. I heard, I hope you weren't too scared or anything, Brooke. Click. And then Brooke straight up hangs up and goes, I mean, could the phantom be Teenter? And so Zeke calls later wow. and says the Phantom is probably just a meal. I'm sure it's just a meal. So they decide to go to school early to tell Miss Walker about a meal and that their experience about their experience the other night running into a meal. And that night, Brooke has a nightmare where she forgot all of her lines. Girl, I've been there. The actor's nightmare. And in the morning, Brooke doesn't get to school as early as she would have liked, she, would have liked because she had to walk Jeremy to school. And when she gets there, she sees Zeke waiting, checking his watch. And she goes, I don't even know why. It doesn't have the correct time on it. It's one of those digital watches with 17 different controls on it zeke can't figure out how how to set it he can play games on it and play a dozen different songs but he can't get it to tell the time those digital watches so he drags her straight to miss walker and they pull her in the hallway and they say listen girl there's a real phantom in the school they sneak in they sneaked into the auditorium they used the trap door i know we weren't supposed to I know, i'm Mrs. sorry walker, but... and and miss walker says you did what uh, you know what? I'm sorry I scared you with this that story. This is my fault. I scared you it, with the story. Have you guys been having nightmares? No, I, it's my fault. They go, no, no, but we saw a guy. She says, no more jokes. It's time to get to class. We want the play to be good, don't we? It's time to get to class. So he hurries back to the classroom because the bell has rung and there are students being crazy inside. This so, frustrates inside. me so much. And so they never really tell her that they if actually- they had just told- yeah, but she kind all of the night jander stuff. She shuts them down, and they never get a chance to talk about it. So they're like, "All right, fine, Miss Walker ain't gonna do something about it. We're gonna break into the school and find the Phantom ourselves." Yes, God. So they meet after dinner, lie to their parents, and say they have rehearsal. And they meet up with Same. Brian in front of the school because they realize we need Brian, Brian, Brian Coulson, because we, we need all the help we can get. And so they see that all clearly all the lights are off in the school, and. The only, in fact, the only light is the reflection of the moon in the windows. Same. All the doors are locked, including the back door, the side door, and the front door. And then they see that a window is open on the first floor. The window to Mrs. Lamston's home ec classroom. This made me so jealous because we never had home ec growing up, and I would have loved home ec class. She says, Brooke says, they pro she probably left the window open to let out the horrible smell of the muffins we baked that afternoon. Did you guys have home ec class growing up? That would have been so fun and helpful. Do you know what? I, the other day I had these muffins that were carob and zucchini muffins uh-huh and that sounds like it should be bad but they were so delicious that my mouth watering right now just thinking about it i had some zucchini muffins this month too but they were ain't no carob in them ain't no rock so in my place <laughs> as long as i'm alive i glorify his holy name so they break in through through mrs lamston's window they feel their way through the halls and, th and Brooke's like, girl, there's no one in the school except for us and the Phantom. And the Brian's scared. Brooke and Zeke kind of bicker, and they make their way to the auditorium. It's cold and damped. And cold and damp. They say that's because um, that's because there's a Phantom living in here, a ghost. There's a damptum. And they turn on one light and to give them so they can just enough so they can see and they make their way toward the stage and then they hear a floorboard creak and a cough and they realize they ain't alone they hear another footstep and they call is someone there they hear nothing then they hear a cough and a clanking sound it's a trap door no 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 it's not the trap door it was the backdrop lowering down which is a painted gray brick wall of a theater that kids have been working on for days and They've days worked on it forever uh-huh and they see that on the fake gray br bricks there are red paint splotches and thick red smears 
And I said, who's lowering it? And it, it says the phantom strikes. Oh, wait, that's never said. It never says that. And they said, who lowered it? Who's in here? And they walk towards it and they see that it's written on the backdrop is stay away from my home sweet home. The writing's on the wall. And they see a side door open as someone steps in the auditorium and they gasp and they see what it ends. It's the phantom. It's Miss Walker. She's the phantom. Miss Walker says, oh, I've caught you red-handed. Lol. And she says, I'm de- she's so devastated. She's so disappointed. She has tears in her eyes. And she's, oh, oh, how could you? They go, no, it wasn't us. We, we, we. And she, after a lot of just talking with her, she sort of starts to believe in them. She says, you know what? We should ask Mr. Levy to investigate this. And as they're walking out, they see a trail of red paint. And they see that there's drips of red paint. And they fall down the hallway. There's even a shoe print in one of the pent puddles. Red smears all the way to the locker. Zeke's locker? Oh, it's Zeke's locker. Miss Walker says, you better open that. You better open that. You he, lying little He bitch. unlocks it, and there's a can of paint sitting in his locker. You did it. You Ms. did it. Miss Walker goes, all right, um, you cut from the play. First and, things first, and you I, cut from the play. And then I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna call your parents and have a talk with them. And I'm gonna do the same if I found out if you and Brooke and if you if you Brooke or you Brian are involved. Okay, they said we're not, but we're not. Please. And they head home. Brian heads off home and hit one direction. Because he lives somewhere. And Zeke runs home by himself because he can't handle the the pain. And on the walk home, Brooke sees a bike with a headlight coming towards her from the school parking lot. And lo and behold, it tinta yeah she has an odd smile on her face and she says <laughs> and brooke goes where did you come from and tinta goes a, a friends i am just coming, coming from, from a friends. friends and brooke says were you in the school i just the, the school? school no no not, not me. me better, better zip, zip up that jacket brooke you don't want to catch a cold do yes so that Saturday, they rehearsed all day. The play was only a week away, and Brooke really missed Zeke. I mean, like, what is it? Robert Hernandez? Yeah. Yes, Rob, Robert's, you know, her understudy is, like, fine or whatever, but he's so serious and no fun. And Brooke goes to talk over to talk. Can I read this part, please? Yes, yeah, goes over to talk with Brian. I dog-eared this page because I thought this was so funny and so random. It's just another reason why I, Matthew Scott Montgomery, love Brooke Rogers, babbling Brooke Rogers. <clears throat> I wandered over to Brian. He had a paintbrush in his hand, dripping with black paint. He was leaning over the new backdrop, putting some final touches on the gray bricks. Looks good. I told him I had a sudden urge to slap him on the back and make him smear black paint all over the wall but I decided that that might not get over too well I don't know where these sudden urges come from hilarious so they talk about how Zeke I am Brooke Rogers justice hashtag I'm with her so (laughs) hashtag ask her more so they um they're talking about how Zeke was grounded and how his parents took away his VCR. No, I, that means no horror movies. He can't live without his horror movies. So that'll be the worst grounding for me is taking away my VCR. Actually, really, it would be. Mine would be my phone. I mean, yeah, yes, definitely, definitely, yes. And so um they they're like, well, but now that Zeke's been gone, they, there ain't been no more pranks or scares. Hmm, maybe it was Deke. So Ms. Walker comes back from lunch, says they're all going to do act two, and she reaches for a script, and she, she can't pull open the page of the script, and she angrily tries to rip the page up, and she realizes someone oh, has glued no. all the pages together. <laughs> and she flips out, throws the script to the wall, and says, that's The play it. is canceled. The play is canceled. Chapter break. Then actually she changed her mind after a few seconds, and she was just in a bad mood. So they continue rehearsing. What a great prank. Isn't that so funny, putting Uber cement on all these pages and having them glued together? Uber cement. Yes. 
Don't didn't you love? I love Rubber Cement. You like yeah. Roll it's the, pr- it's basically purposeless though because it doesn't really it doesn't really stick and it's the only purpose is to let it dry and rub between your fingers and to like smell it and pass out. Didn't it have like an orange plastic ca- metal cap on it? Yeah. Mm. So br- br- so. Miss Walker's in a bad mood for the rest of the day. Brooke is at That Z- bitch is just hungry. She needs to eat something. <laughs> they just got back from lunch. I know, and she didn't eat nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so Brooke and Zeke and Brian are at Zeke's place later, and Zeke's dog Buster keeps barking at Brian. Oh, oh God. What are we going to do with these kids, Brad? What are we going to do with these kids? And Brooke tells Zeke that um, the plays are right. Robert keeps forgetting his lines, and um, he keeps saying he wishes he hadn't tried out for the play. So basically, it's a bunch of trash. And Zeke says, well, how about if we prove that I'm not the Phantom, maybe I can get my part back, and my parents will unground me. Yes. So they think, all right, let's do that. Let's break into the school, all three of us, again, again. and try and find the Phantom again. And Sounds Brooke's like, a good like idea no way, Zeke. There's no way we're doing that. Zeke. So they decide Zeke. to do it. And that they go that night, and it's like it's warm, but Brooke is feeling a little chilly because she's a bad feeling about their plan. Nothing could possibly go wrong. She, they go in through the same window. They make their way to the auditorium. They brought flashlights this time, They though. stomp on the peg. And they decide we're, we need to go down the trap door and find them. Brian goes, you know what? I, I'll stand guard, actually, because he's scared. And Zeke's like, nope, I want you both as my witnesses. And Brian's like, but um, how do we find a ghost? How do you find a ghost? And Zeke's like, uh, oh, we'll find them. They get on the platform. Zeke stomps on the peg, and they go down that clanking and grinding until they reach the ground with a thud. And they're in the middle. They, Arlstein says they're they're in the middle of a large empty chamber, chambre that tunnel out tunnels out in both directions. And Zeke kind of calls out in a sing song voice to the Phantom. And oh, Brooks like, take it seriously. And Brooks like, he's just trying not to scare Can't himself. Can't you take it serious? So they decide to walk down the tunnel, hear nothing. Then they hear a clank and a hum and realize, oh no, the trapdoor's going back up. They run towards it, but they're too late. And Brooke tries to hit that switch that her back hit earlier when they were shoving each other, but it's locked and won't budge. They're trapped. Oh no, they trap. So they wait for a while, nothing happens. Zeke's like, well, the only way they'll get out now is if we find the Phantom. So they follow the tunnel around one curve, then another, that air getting colder, the ground becoming soft and muddy. Ew. And they come to a low door, and they open it and find a fully furnished room. This is the second thing I think of when I think of this book. They find this is a, the second thing I think of when I think of this book. This is the second thing I think of when I think of this book. The ca- they find a couch with one cushion missing, a record li- li- a record player on a low table, a, a small, small unmade, unmade bed, bed bookshelves on the walls, a, a table with cereal. Cornflakes, not even soggy Cereal gabenian? And then... Brooke has a sneezing attack. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Phantom will hear, I can't sneeze, I can't. But actually, that's what they want, isn't it? They want to find the Phantom, and then the door listen, slams listen. shut by itself. No, someone locked them in. They're stuck. They're stuck in this room with li- ugh, with the cornflakes. Zeke tries to push open the door, but it won't budge. No. Oh, no, they're stuck in here for real. They're so all three of them start to push and push, and Brooke is freaking out where they'll be trapped there forever, and no one will find them. No, no, push, push. And they're oh. about to break the door down all 
three of them and she realized oh no wait it's pull not push so they pull the door open and open opens easily <laughs> and then a man standing at the door and it's a meal the night janitor and he's blocking the door with a menacing scowl and she says you have to let us go please he says why are you down here why are you in my home she says so are you the phantom you are the phantom he goes i guess you could call me that and then brian utters a low cry and he and emil the night janitor maybe now the phantom says this is my home sweet home why are you here why didn't you lease it to my vauntings i did everything i could to keep you from my home i tried to warn you i didn't want to hurt anyone but i hate to protect my home it's scarier if you think about him like not with no accent yeah that's and true. like very scary yeah and so it has actually this this tiny this, this is pretty scary yeah this is weird so zeke's zeke says so you try to you should try to ruin the place so we wouldn't use the trap door and find you down and here he was like uh yeah and brooke goes, well what happened 72 years ago what happened the first time the play was supposed to be performed why did you disappear and emil's like what i'm it, not that old i'm, I'm only, only 57, 57 bitch and Brooke says, you're not the phantom. He's, and he says, I don't understand this phantom talk. I'm just a poor homeless guy trying, trying to, to protect, protect my, my space. space. My father worked at this school for 30 years. He used to bring me here with him when I was a kid. And when I lost my apartment in town, I remembered this space. I've been living here ever since for nearly six months now. But now you're ruining it for me, aren't you? You're ruining it all for me. And he starts stepping towards a menacing lean. And Brooke says, what are you going to do to us? And then they hear the clanking from miles away. They realize it's the trap door. It's coming back. So they decide to make a run for it and Brooke runs out first her legs feeling like chewing gum her legs and arms feel like chewing gum so much in the next five pages and to her surprise Emil just kind of like moves aside and lets them go and they make it to the platform and Mr. Matthews is Corey there Matthews is there Mr. Matthews is there Zeke's dad is there and Brooke hits the switch and it works this time and they're like there's a homeless man there's a homeless man and Mr. Matthews says you were supposed to be home you were grounded but when you weren't home I figured I'd find you poking around the stage again the side door to the school was open I entered the auditorium and heard the trap door moving and decided to see what was going on and that explains why I am here and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you and mm. meddling kids meddling kids so Mr. Matthews calls the police they show up investigate and they find out there's no one down there and they snitch there's just a bed and furniture and brooks like there's no food or books down there and they're like nope it's just an open door with bed and furniture so i guess emil took everything and ran and so they leave and mr matthews drives brooke holmes brooks drives brooke home and then that was it that was their phantom they figured it out and Isn't that weird that the Phantom was a old homeless, homeless man, man who lost his apartment and was living underneath the stage? Yeah, I would probably live under a stage if I lost my apartment. Yeah. And Zeke says, well, at least Miss Walker will know it wasn't wasn't me and, and I'll be back in the play. And Brooke's like, oh my God, the play. Now we can all relax. Now we can enjoy ourselves and put on a great performance. Wow, was I wrong. Uh-oh. So cut to the performance, right? Brooke is a little jittery performing the performance. She's putting on her stage makeup, which is really tough with Lisa Rigo and Gia Bentley hogging the mirror. Bitches. Fifth Filthy little bitches. Rattling the bones. They're little fifth graders. So when it's time, Brooke crosses the hall from the dressing room. There's a hall and there's a door in the hallway on, that opens onto the stage or something. And uh, opens onto the stage door into the auditorium. And she takes her place by the side of the stage. And she turns around and she's, she's face to face with the Phantom. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, it's just actually, it's just Zeke. And she's, oh, God, you look so real. You look so awesome. And Zeke doesn't reply. He just formally bows from the waist and then hurries to go take his place. It's definitely Zeke. Mm -hmm. And I want to break this down. Brooke says, the play didn't get strange until the end of the first act. Mm -hmm. 
And she says, as, as soon as she steps on stage with Corey, she forgot all about her stage fright. And I, these are the lines of the play. Great. Corey says, be careful, daughter. There's a creature living beneath this theater, a twisted phantom, scarred and ugly. And es- Esmeralda says, I do not believe you, father. You were only trying to control me to keep me a child. And she... Don't she, you know what's out there in the world? Children will... So the audience, she says the audience laughs in all the right spots, applauds a bunch, and it's going great. And as the first act comes to an end, Brooke knows the coolest part's about to happen. And dry, like, dry ice fog covers the stage. Blue lights are swirling through it. And she hears that clank of the trap door. She's she oh, girl, the audience is going to flip. That phantom's going to come to the trap door. The audience is going to flip. So Brooke comes on stage in her long yellow dress that she's wearing. And she says, Phantom, is that you? Are you coming to see me? The phantom appears in the fog, and the audience gasps and cheers. And the phantom walks towards Brooke slowly, majestically. She says, oh, phantom, phantom we are together at last. last. I, I dreamed, dreamed of this moment, moment for so long. <laughs> and she takes his gloved hand, and he guides him towards that spotlight where they hit their mark. And she turns and sees that she's in his eyes that, in the mask, that it's not Zeke. Uh-oh. He squeezes her hand real hard, his eyes burning into her begging her not to say anything to give him away. And she says, uh, uh, Phantom, why do you haunt this theater? Please tell me your story. I will not be afraid. And this is what the Phantom says. I have lived under this theater for more than 70 years. My story is a sad one. You might even call it tragic, my fair Esmeralda. Just please continue. I was chosen to star in a play. A play in this very theater. It was to be the greatest night of my life. And Brooke's like, these aren't the lines. No, it says Esmeralda. What's that? It's Esmeralda. Hmm? You said Esmeralda. It's Esmeralda. Oh, I was just kidding around. Oh, JK. I was just doing that to annoy you. Oh. Did it work? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And Fanny says, but my great night was never to be. You see, my dear Esmeralda, an hour before the play was to begin, I fell, I plunged to my death. And she's, oh my God, this is that boy. And it's the ghost. And he points to the, the state trap door and says, there, there's where I fell. There, I fell to my death. I became a real phantom. And I've been wait, and I've waited down there ever since, waiting, waiting, hoping for a night like tonight where I could finally play my greatest role. And as, as he finishes, everybody, like the audience, like cheers after that speech, like applauds and cheers. And Brooke's like, oh my gosh, they think it's part of the show. And then he bows and the audience goes even crazier. And Brooke's like, I have to know who it is. I have to know. So she tears her hand from his and then rips off his mask in front of the audience. But in the bright light of the spotlight, Brooke can't see. And, and the, the phantom fan- covers his face and goes, no, no, you can't. No, 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 you can't. You can't. She tries to pull away his hand so she can see his face. And he staggers back, topples towards the open trap door and screams all the way down. And then silence. Horrible silence. And then the audience leaps to its feet and cheers bravo bravo and brooks like they all thought it was part of the play but i knew better i knew that the phantom had finally revealed himself after 72 years they had finally had his moment on stage and that he died all over again and then after the cur- the curtain closes brooks stands frozen and is like what just happened zeke's comes zeke comes running over to her wearing t-shirts with his t-shirt and jeans t-shirt and my panties on and he says ow someone hit me i think i've been knocked cold I've been knocked unconscious. Are you? And Brooke's like, oh my God, are you okay? 
And Brooke's like, oh my God, the phantom, he's, he's down there. We have to find him. So she stomps on the peg, the door comes up and they ride it down and they search for the phantom and nothing down there. Just really quickly, they just do that. So cut to the play's over, which I don't know what happens in the second act of that play. No. What happens in the second act? No. After the play, Miss Walker's like so happy. She's oh my gosh, I love the new lines that you added, Zeke. I can't believe no Zeke doesn't tell Miss Walker that he was knocked out. Yeah. Nobody says anything. Nope. And Brooke and Zeke try to get their way through the adoring crowd going nuts. And Brooke wants to find Brian to tell him about the phantom. But That's she, so strange. She can't find Brian anywhere. She can't find him through the crowd of friends and family. So she and they, she and Zeke are like, let's just grab our stuff, keep our costumes on, change at home. Um, then meet up, meet up together and then go to the cast party together. And I thought then, about this for a while. Yes. And then we can figure out who played, you know, the phantom for that moment. And so they're walking towards the hall in, you know, in the school. They see Brooke's locker is open. That's weird. There's an old brown book, worn and dusty, that topples out when she opens it. And there's an old piece of paper bookmarked in it. And it's it's a yearbook from the 1920s for Woods Mill Middle School. 1922. And they open it to where it's marked and see an article that says, The Phantom to be performed in the spring. And Brooke's like, oh my God, this must have been written about written before everything happened. And they look at two, look at the small photos that cover the whole two pages, and they see a small, blurry, black and white photo of the boy who won the starring role, role the boy who was to play the Phantom, the boy who had disappeared. The boy, boy was, was Brian. Brian, and that's the end of the book. <clears throat> this is the beginning and the end of the book. Are you guys ready? A mysterious Phantom haunted our school. The boy was Brian. Woo! So it wasn't Tinta, it wasn't Emil, it was Brian. Remember when Buster, Zeke's dog, was barking at Brian? Yeah. We should have known. I mean, ever since I was little, I've known that the Phantom is Brian, so none of this has ever surprised yes, me. Yes, it's never occurred to me that the Phantom wasn't Brian. Anything but Brian. But essentially what it was, was it was a homeless man under the theater warning the whole time, but then at the same time, also Brian was... Who, how does that make any sense? But Brian was at school in class, was introduced to the class, was the new He was kid. outside of school. Yeah, like how does that work? How does that make any sense? It makes no sense. And what makes even less sense is the TV episode. Woo! I, this has always been, I thought, one of my kind of favorite episodes of the show. And yeah. I, I mostly just have it on in the background. I bought it and I have it on my phone, things like that. But when we actually sat down and watched it today... I think I like it less because it, it there's so many plot holes and it's so ridiculous. I don't, the thing is, I don't like the actress that plays Brooke. Yeah, there's and some pretty terrible acting and directing going on. Yeah, so this is episode, episode 7 of season 1. This is really early on. It aired December 1st, 1995. So, it, wow, I, it's just a year after the book, really, a year and a month after wow, the book. Wow, okay. That's so fun. Yeah. And... This one, there's, like, a lot of weird, like, sort of, like, dream sequences. It's more about Brooke having, like, these dreams about the Phantom or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, And the Phantom in this, in the TV episode, not a blue and green mask. No, it's it looks standard, like your standard traditional Phantom of the Opera Phantom mask. Which I kind of like because it's less confusing for me. I agree. Now, the actress that plays Brooke is blonde. She doesn't have scrunchies on her wrists. And she, is and she sort has of plastic a, fake glasses. She has plastic fake glasses and sort of obnoxious hair. And I, I don't like her. Yeah. Cool. And I'm nothing her. The actor that plays Zeke has an accent, like some indiscernible, weird accent. I'm so accent. confused by this actor, and this is the one thing about this episode that I joke about or think about the most, and it's so silly to me, is because a lot of his stuff is 80-yard. Um, not all of it is. Um, but yeah, it's like he's putting on a weird accent, or English is not his first language, and he I, can't, I, I he think can't he, really say the word phantom. I think he's a good actor, but it's his like delivery, his accent is so strange. I don't, Luke the phantom. 
uh, you haunt the theater forever. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, what is that? Answer clips, you'll hear. Esmeralda, I've come for you. Can I borrow some lunch money? Maybe this is where the Phantom brings Esmeralda after a long day of haunting. You can't go, bro. The note, the backdrop, the Phantom wants Esmeralda. That's you. Maybe your dream was a warning. And the Phantom was known as a ghost, haunting the theater forever. And the guy that, uh, the, there are two actors that I actually like, is the actor that plays Corey. He's who from will, Attack of the jack He will be later, later. be in Attack of the jack o yeah. playing Shane. And then I like the actress that plays Tina. I think she's so well cast. She's perfectly cast. She always reminded me kind of of, uh, she's like a Mercedes McNabb and a Heather Matazaro put together. Yes. I completely- Matarazzo? What do you say? Matazaro? Shit. It's Matarazzo. Yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. I think- yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's Matarazzo. Okay. Um, yes, she's so well cast. She's kind of worth the whole thing for me, she's, actually. She's, she's the right amount of over-the-top for Goosebumps episode. Yeah. And she's so much fun. So it starts off with Brooke like having some sort of weird, sort of vague dream that has clips of the episode to come, like the foreshadowing, I guess. I guess. Like clips of them running with flashlights and like a, a mysterious phantom and, and she starts, she screams. Like sits up, in, sits up in bed and like screams. And then we're cut to the first rehearsal. We're sitting on stage and the cast is like reading. We meet Tina, we meet Corey, um, we meet Zeke who like scares her by dressing as a phantom and like reaching out for her during, like as they're sitting there, like a gloved hand reach yeah, out. That's like behind her. Break. And it's like, just yeah. kidding, it's Zeke. Come on, Tina, tell us. It all started the year the school was built. The drama club was putting on the same play we are. The night of the play, the boy who was supposed to play the Phantom disappeared. They searched everywhere. His parents were freaking out. They called the police, but they never found the body. A year later, when they tried to put on the play again, his ghost appeared on stage. Lol, total, what a total Zeke. And uh, the whole time during this sort of first scene, we see that there's a phantom from the catwalk watching, watching them. Yeah. Or like from the side of the stage watching. And it's very clear. We actually clearly see that it's a gloved hand and there's a phantom mask like watching them. So we know that there's a phantom and it ain't Zeke. Yeah. Like there's a phantom. And we meet Miss Walker. I, I also think she's she's a little over the top. But. I don't like her at all. In fact, there's something that made me laugh about silently to myself here. Is she wears this scarf that kind of hangs off the back of her shoulders. And when the play that I'm in, when, uh, Tim, the b- guy who scares me in the basement, Badger Tim, um, he is he in the play that I'm in, there's a play within a play, and he plays the director in the play. And when he was getting his costume fittings, the costume designer gave him a bunch of scarves to wear. And Tim was like, I don't understand this. What is this thing about directors wearing scarves? He was like, I'm not wearing a scarf. He was like, that's such a dumb cliche that I don't know where it started, that directors always have scarves or wear scarves. I'm not wearing that. Wow, so good when I saw Miss Walker wearing a scarf, I she- thought, wow, there's that cliche somewhere that someone decided that directors and actors wear scarves. Yes. Why? Wow. Why? That's that's the truth. I don't like scarves. I've never have. Me never neither. Will. So, Trash. so um, during the rehearsal, Corey starts to, he's sitting on the trap door, basically, and starts to lower itself. And Miss Walker, he's like, Miss Walker? And she's like, not now, Corey. He's like, Miss Walker? Walker? 
And then she's like, oh, that's a trap door. Nobody use it, especially you, Zeke. It hasn't been tested. So after rehearsal, Zeke's like, I want to try it. And Brooke's like, no. And Brooke says, I dreamt about that trap door. I've never seen it before, and I dreamt about it. And, and Gia I, and I looked at each other like, what? And she's like, so I, in she's this like maybe it's a bad sign. And Matthew and I are both like, what are you talking about? In the TV episode, Brooke has premonitions about trap doors and phantoms or something. So they take the, the trap door down. There's no wooden peg. How do they get down? You know, is it really stated? There's no wooden peg or any. We no. don't see a wooden peg in the episode. It just kind of like lowers itself. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember them. I don't remember either. And I've seen this many times. So, so they lower themselves down. It looks... I think pretty accurate to how I think it would look. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of like blue lighting and it, it to me, in it's the dark, book, but not really dark. It's, it's much wider and more, there's more spacious in the television episode than I think there's described in the book. Once you get down there, but they get down there and Brooke's plastic glasses fall off. And she's like, I can't see Thomas J can't see without his glasses. Or so can't see without his glasses. And this actress consistently calls her Zeke and goes, Zeke, Zeke, Zeke. and they oh there's a rat down there ah they're freaking out and and zeke has her glasses and is like teasing her and then i guess rat hit the switch or something i don't know i'm not sure but it starts to you know like rise and they They all clank up it goes that thing where it stays like five feet below the stage and then you know she boosts Zeke up and then hands reach over and it's Emil. Emil the night Emil janitor. Emil the night janitor. Who are you? Emil, the night janitor. What are you doing here? Ah, uh, and he goes, stay away. He's, He's not really super old or short. I see him as this tiny old man with white hair in the book, but this right. guy just seems like a normal kind of just vaguely man. creepy looking guy. So next day we meet Brian. We just kind of move on and he, he's the night janitor or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. We meet Brian who um, he's like vaguely cute and has like you know kind of big teeth and a bottle mouth and like bottle mouth yeah he's like he what's looks, a bottle mouth he looks like on those bottle mouth kissers bottle you know, mouth you know, kissers the, like the, that big mouth that would just fit right over a bottle <laughs> is this a thing you just made up no a bottle mouth uh, i i don't think i made it up the only thing i know for sure about a mouth is a fruit punch mouth yeah i know no this is like a bottle mouth like he just has those big lips and like just a big mouth you know you guys know what a fruit punch mouth is it's like it looks like somebody always just drank a little bit of fruit punch and it's like their lips are like i always think of the buffy season one prophecy girl finale where she goes you have fruit punch mouth and he goes what and she punches him in the mouth cute so the master and he brooks like um you're sitting in my seat he he shows up at the theater and he's sitting in the theater. Now, I we never do we. Oh, I also say we never see him outside of the theater, but we do see him outside of the theater. I think it'd be interesting if he was the ghost and we'd only see him inside the theater. I wish. And she, he was like, "Oh, you're the lead, right?" And she says, "Yeah." What do you think? And he and she's like a little over the top about it. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm the I'm the damsel in distress or whatever it is that she says." He's she's like, kind of terrible in the she's directing. She's terrible. Kind of bad. You're in the Phantom, right? Yes, I play the tragic heroine. What do you think? I think you're perfect. At my old school, I was an old police. And he goes, I think you're perfect. She says, I wish I could have tried out. And she says, you can help Tina with it. Tina's like, you can help me with the scenery. I love Tina. Tina kind of pushes her way in. And then Brian like rolls his eyes at the camera. So Brooke goes to get her script and she opens her locker and sees a skull mask. I believe it's the same skull mask that um, uh, Ch- uh, Chuck has Chuck, Chuck in has the haunted, haunted mask. mask. Yeah. And there's a note that says, stay away from my home sweet home, Esmeralda. Yeah, the entire TV up says Esmeralda. Stay away from my home sweet home, Esmeralda. And 
Brooke blames it on Zeke, but Zeke's like, it wasn't me. And then we cut to Brooke screaming, no, no. Home and she's just running lines by herself. She's make, she's practicing screaming by herself on a thundery lightning storm night. It's that lightning storm night where it's not raining, it's just lightning. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she thinks something in her closet and she opens her closet door and, and it's, it's just, just checkers. checkers. <laughs> it's just a box of checkers. And, and then, then she closes her mirrored closet door and then there's a phantom on her bed in a cape and he flies towards her and she screams again. And it turns out it's just Zeke and she's like, you scared me. It's just Zeke who dressed up and broke into Brooke's room and stood in her bed and hid and scared her and meanwhile we're Brooke's parents hearing her scream upstairs and not asking what's wrong it makes no sense so the next day we're back at rehearsal Tina's like bossing Brian around she says to Brooke at one point which I really like just break a leg Brooke as, as they, they say. say break a leg Brooke as they say I love it so we're, they're rehearsing a scene um, with Brooke and Corey. The lights go out, and just like in the book, a, a stage light comes crashing down. No, wait. A phantom comes swinging down on a rope and grabs Brooke and says, go away, Esmeralda. Go away, and then lowers himself down the trap door. And then a stage door, like from like way up in the rafters, comes crashing down. And it says, last warning, stay away, Esmeralda, or else. This picture of the door was the background of my phone while we were mm -hmm. you know, reading this yes. book. And then Zeke shows up out of nowhere and says, sorry, sorry I'm late. And Miss Walker's like, what are you, what? But was that you? What's going on? And then Tina, way too loud, shows up and says, hey, this paint leaves a trail. Let's follow it. May have proven dick. And it leads to Zeke's locker, and there's paint in the locker. Yes, yes, yes. And so, Zeke doesn't really try to defend himself at all. He well, kinda, he kind of does. He's, he's like, I swear it wasn't me, but like, kind of gives up. He gets defeated really fast and then kind of half-heartedly punches a locker and then, then sighs. So later we see Brian, Brooke, and Zeke are in the hallway talking about it. They ask Mr. Johnson, the janitor, who's like fixing a tile on the ceiling, to clean it. Like, hey, can you help us clean up the paint? He goes, I don't, I don't have time right now. And Brooke's like, can you get the night guy to clean it up? And he goes, night janitor? We, there's no the Nate Janitor. Nate Janitor? There's no Nate Janitor. What guy, what else has this guy been in? I don't think he's been in anything else. I just think he looks like guys who have been in other things. I think he's been in something else. But maybe maybe he's so much so that that he's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I would rather have Dot, though. I miss Secretary Dot instead of no, Officer jo or Night Janitor Johnson. Janitor Johnson. Night Janitor? <laughs> so um, they walk around the theater at night to, to investigate, right? Yeah. And Brooke insists, and Brooke is the one that's like, we need to go down there and find out. And, and Zeke says, maybe your dream was a warning. Maybe we shouldn't go down there. What? What dream? What are you talking about? Shouldn't Zeke be the one that wants to go down there? But Brooke insists. So all three, Brooke, Brian, and Zeke go down with their flashlights. The, the trap door rises by itself, so they are trapped down there. And they find a room, and it's like a little more of a set than I feel like it looks yeah, in the book. Yeah, I've always envisioned it. it. What was so creepy to me about the book was that it looked lived in, like a dirty, and we're about to be caught. And it reminds me of Ghost Beach. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, same, yes. Even though we're just like the cave. We're but this is like a sort of like a clean room with like some, you know, bluish lights in the back yeah, with stuff in it. It just looks like a and industrial then a, set. A phantom shows up with a hat and a cape, kind of like a Freddy Krueger kind of ish hat. Shows up and says, why didn't you listen to me? And chases them down the hallway. Ooh. And it's kind of scary and fun. And he grabs Brooke. And we see that the the ma phantom mask he's wearing is not like a clean white. It's more like a paper mache like maid. Yeah. Like sort of phantom mask. Which I love. And she's like, you should have listened to me. And then Brooke rips off the mask and it's a meal. It's definitely a meal. We know this. We see it's a meal. 
and then he ins- runs away down the hall. And he runs away, and then instead of Mr. Matthews showing up, it's Mr. Levy, the principal. Yeah. And then afterwards, we see that the police are there. It's Mr. Levy and Miss Walker, and Miss Walker uh, and says, "Like, good thing we had like, a meeting today. Good thing we had a okay, yeah." Otherwise, we wouldn't have known. It's like, oh, well, I guess it was just a homeless guy living under the theater. And Miss Walker kind of apologizes and everything is fine. Thank you, officer. Well, it looks like that Emil character got away. But we found a hat and this old mask down there. And the officer thinks that he was a homeless man who was living underneath the stage. That's why he gave us those warnings, to keep us from finding his home. You kids didn't use the best judgment. So we cut to the actual show, and Brooke's on stage wearing a terrible costume, doing a terrible job. Ugly, stupid hair. Phantom, are you there, Phantom? And uh, we see Zeke is in the trapdoor, nervous, like so nervous about what's going on. And then um, Brooke like calls for him. He's like, Phantom, are you there? And the trapdoor doesn't move. And Zeke starts to freak out a little bit, and... We see him almost get, like, knocked out or something. Kind of, he kind of gets pulled off screen, and then another phantom takes his place. And then Brooke's like, where are you, phantom? And then the the trapdoor rises. Everybody claps. We don't. We never see the audience, I think, is which is a smart sort of, like, yeah. budgetary choice. Right. It's just, like, we see stage lights. Right. And the phantom appears, grabs Brooke, and Brooke says in full voice, Not so rough, Zeke! Yeah. Which drives me crazy. And she looks into his eyes, and the Phantom's eyes are like superimposed, really cheap looking um, stock fire. Now, footage. the book itself said his eyes burned into hers. And, but and this got literal. They bitch. took it literal, and it's this really cheap kind of moment where there's fire in his eyes. So the Phantom, Brian, gives the speech. It's Brian's <laughs> voice. And it's clearly Brian. And he says everything he says in the book, basically. We see Miss Walker, like, freak, looking at the script offstage, freaking out. Tina and Corey on her head, so confused. And Brian says, Come with me into eternal darkness. Fair Esmeralda, I have lived under this theater for more than 70 years. I was to play the Phantom on this very stage. It was to be the greatest night of my life, but it was not to be. For one hour before the curtain was to rise, I fell into the abyss where I became a real phantom. Hoping, waiting for this night where I would finally play my ultimate role. And you, Esmeralda, come with me to eternal darkness. And Brooke pulls off the mask, and you can kind of see that it's Brian, and she can see she that it's Brian. She sees it's Brian, and he goes, no, no, and falls off the stage into, into the trapdoor, and that's the end of the play. Never! No! And Miss Walker here is unforgivably over the unforgivable. top and ridiculous. To the point where it's like farce comedy, ridiculous stuff. She's literally shaking her her shoulders and her arms and her body's like, it was such a good job. Oh, and those lines. I don't know where you came up with them. Oh, we've got to go out there. It's time for the bow. Hamming it up and chewing on scenery so over the top. Makes me sick. And there's all this dumb stuff that they kind of play for comedy at the end, which doesn't really make sense. So, I don't know where those lines came from, mister, but they were brilliant. And... Um, and then, like, Brooke and Zeke just kind of go into the hallway, and they... F- no, wait. Wait. No, 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 that's right. No, no. On the trap door, they find... Well, the trap door rises, right? Yeah. This is before the bows. It rises, and um, Zeke is there 
like he's been knocked out. He's like, oh, what happened? And there's a yearbook with him. They have the bows and Zeke is like dazed and confused as they're bowing. Yeah. And Brooke has grabbed the yearbook and pull after the, after the bows and Mrs. Walker is like so over the top. They run to like the hallway and Brooke, she, she's like, I, and Brooke already knows. Brooke's like, Zeke, I, I this explains everything. And she kind of uh, opens the yearbook and you see a picture in the yearbook of Brian's face. And she's that's she said, I know who's the fandom. It's that's it's Brian. Brian, Brian Coulson. Coulson. Oh man, I don't believe it. It's Brian. Brian Coulson. And that's the TV episode. And then you see like a girl playing Esmeralda named Bernie Buford or something. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that's amazing. So the TV episode is actually a little disappointing. Yeah. It's not as fun as I want it to be, no. but it's worth it for Tinta. It is. And I love I love this book so much. The book is one of my favorites. So you guys, you know, thank you so much for listening. We want to give a shout out to some of our great reviews. Um, Carly2591 wrote a really fun review. And Buddy Forbes. Are buddy. Just, buddy, come on. Buddy, I love you. Um, on, thank you so much for giving us five stars and... and, and rating us on iTunes. Our podcast is getting more and more popular and rising up the charts because of you guys. Thank you so much. It is. It's really cool. Um, we appreciate the shout outs and we love you guys. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter and message us. We'll talk to you. Yeah, um, I always want to talk about Goosebumps. My handle for both those is DannyMax769, D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C-K-769. My Twitter is iRobotUJane. It's a Buffy episode, I know. And usually, I recently I was on there talking about favorite Goosebumps episodes and oh, yes. about that. Yes. And then my Instagram is Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery and you can see pictures on my Instagram of me reading Phantom Auditorium in an empty theater. You can also email us if you want to at welcometodeadcast at gmail.com We have an email address. Yes. Say hi. Um, Up next we are 25 books in. Wow. We're Attack of the Mutant. It's time to get attacked. It's time to to go back to our comic book roots. Um, Thank you for joining us here today at the Auditorium. Yes and tune in next time if if you you dare. dare.